was walking the store at Cappy's in Cape Cod and um, you know, a hockey dad now. And uh, I'm like, look at this, this brand is awesome. Like we should be drinking this at all the hockey tournaments. <laughs> Yeah. So I hit Justin. I'm like, you got to check these guys out. Like they've got yeah. a cool display. They've got some cool swag in the display. Like mm-hmm. they've got a cool little niche brand here. I'd love to, I'd love to figure it out. And then here we are, you know, a couple months later. Yeah. Well, I appreciate that. And it's good to see that, you know, when you're in the store with all of those other brands out there, it's nice to see that we can kind of gain some attention and, and gain some eyeballs on our product because that's, you know, half the battle in that space, honestly, is just getting people to recognize the brand and seeing it when they're going into a liquor store full of, you know, hundreds of different brands. Yeah. So that, let me lead with that. So, you know, I'm going to notice you for two reasons. One, I try to notice every brand, especially if it's on the floor and has a cool display, like how do they pull that off? I, I've not heard of the brand. It's the first time seeing it. Like how have I not seen this earlier, but that's my world beverage alcohol. Mm-hmm. But as a hockey dad, I would have seen the brand regardless shopping the store. Like how, how is obviously the hockey community has got to be understanding the brand, the name, the concept right off the bat and grabbing it. You know, how much of the business is from that? And is, is that a pro or is that, you know, maybe cost, like, do you think that's actually hurting your general market sales? Like how is it working being a hockey oriented brand? Yeah. It's funny because we originally, when we first thought of the concept, when we first thought of the brand name, we certainly recognized the kind of connection to hockey, but that wasn't even necessarily our positioning. We really wanted it to be short for celebration. Um, and it's funny as time has gone on, everybody that's coming up to us and re- seeing the product for the first time, they're saying, oh, were you guys hockey guys? And I say, well, I like hockey, didn't really play. I played a little bit growing up, but more of a basketball and football guy myself. But it's funny because that name has that immediate association and a lot of the hockey guys and girls do gravitate towards the product for that, but I haven't seen it, you know, in, you know, negatively affect us. So that's also great. It's, you don't have to be a hockey player. You don't have to be a hockey fan to, you know, be a fan of the product. And so once we kind of tell them, Hey, no, it's, you know, short for celebration. We want to be part of all the good times with you guys. They um they're all for it. So um whether you see it through hockey, the, the hockey lens or not, um, I think it it kind of can fit everybody. Sure. And just for the listeners, whoever's watching and listening out there, you know, just give us a quick, you know, elevator pitch on the brand. You know, what what is it? What do we got going on? What, what was the ideation behind it? And you know, where when you started, where you're at, et cetera. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually launched a healthy energy drink brand a few years back, and you know, it got to the point where that was doing okay for itself, and people kept coming up to me saying, you know, we love the taste of you know, the energy drink, would you ever consider getting into the alcohol space? And at the time I didn't have, you know, to be honest, the the bandwidth time-wise or the financial resources to go out and launch an additional brand. So I was having a casual conversation with my brother and my father. And they said, well, if you're serious about this and you can really help us get this off the ground in terms of formulating, you know, branding, packaging, and helping us out from the manufacturing and distribution side of things, we'll, we'll really help out. We'll do the sales and marketing day to day to, you know, kind of have this be a team effort Mm. and make it a bit more manageable. And so once we had that, we kind of sat down we said, all right, if we're serious about this, what do we want to create? So Selly in, in short is a canned vodka soda cocktail made with real fruit juice. And our take on this new wave of hard seltzers is more fresh tasting with the real fruit juice and less carbonation. Because one complaint that we kept seeing out in the marketplace 
was that with these other hard seltzers, people would have a few of them and get super bloated, you know, they'd be burping and just not feel great about themselves. And so what we did was we didn't remove all carbonation because carbonation can actually lend itself to a more refreshing taste. So we kept a small amount of carbonation in there, um, but reduced it to the point where people can have a few cellies and not feel that same bloating effect. And we also sought out to create a better tasting product because a lot of the the brands out there now, they taste a little syrupy, they taste a little artificial. And so we really led with this idea of incorporating real fruit juice and flavors into our product, combining two flavors. If you will notice, all of our flavors, all three flavors have two flavors in each can. And that was really our attempt to kind of create a better taste profile by combining two different flavors, having them work really well together. And ultimately, we're really satisfied with, you know, where it is today. I think every brand can improve. Um, and, you know, maybe we'll tweak things behind the scenes as we continue to move forward. But, you know, we're happy with it. People in, haven't been enjoying the product. And we actually, um, you know, unbeknownst to us, we got uh, ranked the number one uh, best tasting seltzer by Boston Magazine, specifically our blueberry pomegranate flavor. Thank wow. you. Yeah. So that Congratulations. was- yeah, thank you. And that was something we didn't even, you know, we didn't pay for that. We didn't even notice it until somebody sent it to us. Um, so I guess that goes to show you that, you know, we, the time that we spent developing the product really paid off. For sure. Cool. Congrats, yeah. man. That's awesome. Is pomegranate your best selling flavor too? Yeah, the blueberry pomegranate is the best selling flavor. I think in general, people gravitate more towards the variety pack just because mm. it's an eight pack versus the four pack of single flavors. They get more variety. They can try out all the flavors and it's just a bigger pack size. But in terms of flavors, blueberry pomegranate, it's definitely our uh, hero skew. What are the, you, have the, you have the black cherry lime, blueberry pomegranate. And is did you just say there's a third flavor? Yep, there's a mango pineapple. Okay. And the mango pineapple okay. is in the eight pack varieties. It is... Uh, it has been in distribution, right. but we're really trying to limit the amount of offerings that we give to our distributors and, and and liquor stores because whenever you have too many offerings, too many SKUs, there's additional pressure to kind of move all of those SKUs. And I'm a big fan of SKU rationalization, just kind of limiting the amount of offerings and focusing all of your efforts on moving those offerings. I think it just streamlines things, make things more efficient. So that's what we've done. And, um, you know, it, it's worked so far for us. Yeah. Well, it's, do you take the same uh, framework or or just thinking, do you take it with your route to market strategy as well? Have you stayed, you guys are from Boston, right? Is that? We are. Yep. And, and we absolutely so, have. So yeah. we, we are a big fan of, I call it going deep versus wide. So really kind of narrowing in on specific geographical regions to kind of better support that area with marketing, with field sales, field, field marketing, um, and really building the brand exposure and momentum in a smaller area, I've just found that it's a much easier pathway to success than spreading yourself across many different states, many different cities, oh, and having sure. to physically be there and do marketing and do sales, build relationships. Whereas what we found is we're focusing on Metro Boston, a little bit of the North Shore of Massachusetts. Um, and then New Hampshire, because we've had a great opportunity to to go into the city stores up there, as well as Market Basket. So that was a great opportunity for us and one that we kind of felt that we could support. But aside from that, we're, we're really turning down opportunities to launch into new areas. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's really smart. And that's that's something we we can, we we suggest as well. But unless you, you're sitting on like $10 million to, to exactly. you want to blow. Um, exactly. We're a bootstrap brand. <laughs> we... Um, 
to, to date, you know, we, we are a bootstrap brand where we've just now begun, you know, seeking out investment, okay. but um, you know, you're right. Unless you have an ungodly amount of money to spend, you're so much better off limiting your reach and going yeah. as deep as possible and generating as much buzz as possible in that area. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You can do more. You can, you can build more community stronger, mm -hmm. faster. Um, Absolutely. And, and I think that's, that's been a consensus from, I think every guest we've had on the show so far, and you're, in, you're in very good company. We've had some fantastic brands on it, but every, we focused on, you know, everyone has said, Hey, you gotta go deep, you know, in your backyard and own your backyard. And only until then can you really move, you know, start spreading your, spreading uh, the message outwards, but 100%. you guys are, but you guys are uh, just partnered with, it just changed your name, liquid rails, right? I noticed for we, DTC. We have, yep. Yep. For DTC. So that's kind of where my uh, background actually lies a bit. And I've okay. been in the beverage space for a while. I've done retail sales. I've worked with the distributors, but um, you know, where I found a lot of success with my other brand was direct consumer online. Yeah. And so the digital marketing aspect of it really intrigued me. And given that there's a lot of different regulations and laws in the alcohol space, we couldn't offer direct consumer um, offerings ourselves. And so we right. had to partner with a company and uh, Ryan over at Liquid Rails is is great. And we Ryan's had a relationship. A uh, yeah, and he, yep. he's, he's great. And he's helped us, you know, very well uh, along the way. And um, yes, yeah, so we partnered with them to to now do direct consumer. So those people who have been asking us, hey, when are you coming to New York City? When are you coming to Connecticut, Florida? Now those individuals get a chance to enjoy our product um, without us necessarily having to launch in that area. So I think it's a win-win for both of us. Yeah. Yeah. It, you just, that's a recent partnership. Is that correct? It is. It just it, it, it's a few weeks old. So we're still yeah. in the infancy stages and still kind of getting our, our, our heads around how we're going to kind of position this and how we're going to market it. Um, but I do think it's a good, I don't think it's going to be the main driver of, of revenue for us, but I think it's good, you know, supplemental income to kind of complement our, um, you know, revenue through our distributors and in retail. But again, it, it gives customers a chance to try out our product. And what I like about it is the data behind it, um, because yeah. I, I'm, a, I'm a data guy and I'm very data driven in, in my decision making. And at retail, some of that data gets lost. You know, we do have mm -hmm. a fair amount of data, but it, it's impossible to capture everything. Whereas online, we're able to get a much more customer data and, and better understandings of who's buying our product, who's enjoying it, who's coming back and buying again. And in the future, as we begin to look to launch in new areas, we can now see, hey, there's a lot of people buying in Rhode Island, for example. Maybe right. that's a market we target next, whereas just kind of blindly picking a market to launch in, this will give us a much more better understanding of you know, where we want to be. For sure. I think that's the number one um, benefit to going direct to consumer. The, I think the, the return, the, the ROI on direct to consumer for alcohol brands is, is still not really there. But prior to DTC, um, you know, Liquid Rails provides complete insight through all their data, right? And so exactly. that's the number one value proposition, I, I think, or benefit that people um, can take away from it right now. Because beforehand, any ad dollars you were spending as a brand, it's all blind, right? You're flying completely exactly. blind, whether it's out of home or you're doing, you know, paid paid ads uh, on social or wherever you have yeah, no absolutely. idea who's buying. Yeah. And, and it's such a challenge for us because, you know, you're right. You, you don't have that insight. And 
unlike yeah. a traditional e-commerce brand that is driving customers to their site and tracking conversions and site visits, we don't have that insight. And so any marketing right. that we're doing on social media platforms, we I, I kind of take a holistic approach to it. I, I look at, okay, where are we spending our money? And I see kind of over the course of some time, were there improvements to the top line? You know, did we see a pullback? And the challenge there even is there's so many other factors. So, you know, sure. right now we're recording this in November, you know, we're kind of entering a slower time for alcohol sales. And so yeah. it's okay. Are our marketing efforts not working as well? Or is this just a general pullback um, for volume in the space? So I think any insights that we can gain is very valuable. Yeah. Right. Well, especially being a hard, uh, I mean, I, I think as a whole, vodka soda is going to plummet during these mm -hmm. months. And, you know, I, I, I do you even bother advertising right now, you know, unless, yeah. you, unless you've come out with a seasonal, you know, a cinnamon <laughs> flavor yeah. or something. Yeah, no, and, and you're absolutely <laughs> right. It's definitely something we've, we've thought about and we're pulling back slightly in terms of ad spend because the return on potential spend isn't necessarily there as it will be in the spring and summer months. Right. However, we're still pretty early on. So we do have a little bit more runway than say a traditional brand who, you know, um, has almost kind of plateaued their sales. Like we still have new accounts that we can get into. We still have new areas and markets that we can begin to target. But what we're doing is we're kind of focusing our efforts probably more so on um, areas where consumption may still, you know, be there. So thinking the cities like directly in, you know, downtown Boston, for example, mm -hmm. um, areas around schools, because college students will still be, you know, consuming alcohol during this time. So trying to be a little bit smarter and wiser about where we're directing our efforts is very, very important. Yeah. Have you guys shipped anywhere yet, Tyler, that kind of you're like, oh, wow, look at that. Yeah, we, we've definitely had some orders come in that were a little interesting. Again, it's still so early that right. no, there hasn't been a large amount of orders, you know, being placed or have, have been placed. So it's still very early, but I'm curious to see as we move forward, you know, where those those areas are, because, you know, we post a lot of content on on Instagram, TikTok, LinkedIn. And so there are a lot of people connected with us that don't live in the Boston or New Hampshire area. So I'm very curious to see, you know, where those hotspots are. Yeah. Cool. And yeah. you said two things, you know, distributors and investors, you know, in, in talking that I want to circle back because a lot of folks that might listen to this are similar to you, you know, brand founder, mm -hmm. early stage startups. So, you know, how are you standing? RTD is on fire, um, but it's, you know, top heavy and, and, and everybody came in. So there's a huge, you know, bottleneck of brands there. You know, how do you keep the distributors happy? And then what's like, you know, what's the conversation with the current economic times like at the investment level? Is there a big appetite? So kind of two-pronged question. Yeah, I think when it comes to the investment, you're absolutely right. It, it's a very challenging time to go out and raise money. I think any brand who's currently doing that will, will tell you the same thing. Yep. Um, but the money is still out there. And I think if you've had relationships for a long enough period of time and people trust you and they like what you're doing, I think people are still looking to deploy money. It's just much more difficult. You you might need to double the amount of outreach you're doing to kind of get the same level of interest. Um, but it, it's being able to tell a story. It's being able to have a great product. I think you have to start with you know a great liquid in the beverage space. And it's showing a pathway to either profitability or a potential exit and garnering enough success and, and, you know, gaining enough leeway to give yourself an opportunity to do that. So 
I think the investors are still out there. It's much harder. Um, but you know, we're we're confident that we can, you know, over the course of the next say six months, get potential investors interested in in behind this brand. From the distribution side of things, um, I think it's tough because you have to put yourself in their shoes and you have to be self-aware. Any distributor who's taking Selly or any new brand, this is not a business changing decision for them. It, it is not moving the needle on their top line enough for them to really deploy and allocate resources, both financially and you know with manpower right. to your brand. So you have to be self-aware, you know, any distributor, they're going to have, you know, majority of the revenue coming from the large players in the space. And they're going to ensure that they're putting enough effort into maximizing that business and that those products in their, in their portfolio for us, you know, we want to kind of almost position ourselves at the, as the time being to be kind of complementary revenue for them. Say, Hey, look, you're already bringing a truck to this liquor store. You're already bringing a truck to this grocery store. Why not put Selly on the back of that truck and gain some extra revenue from that trip? Because you're already making the trip. There's no added expense to delivering the Selly. It's free revenue for you. And we're doing a tremendous amount of work out there in the field. So my brother and my father every single day are visiting stores, um, getting the word out, building excitement, building relationships. And I think showing that you have troops on the ground, that you're out there in the trenches fighting every single day for new accounts, new placements, um, you know, placements in the store, increasing visibility yeah. in the store, getting displays. When the distributors see that, they say, okay, even though this brand's, you know, still a little early on, they're doing all the right things to potentially one day be a successful brand. And they respect that and they appreciate the work that you do. And we have great distribution partners who are really behind us. And one of them in particular, my father's had a relationship with for 30 years. And, you know, there's that level of trust that we're going to do our part. We're going to carry our own weight. Um, and when they see that, they're much more willing to push for you. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I mean, if, if you're trying to do everything you can, I mean, if you're not, right, how can you expect anybody else to do it for you? Exactly. And you that have goes to be the like, one selling the brands. Yeah. And that goes for if you hire employees, if they're if they're looking mm -hmm. at you, the founder and saying, well, you're not doing anything, right? It's gonna exactly. <laughs> Why should they? Exactly. And um, I think that's important because especially as you grow and maybe add new people into the business, you hire employees, contractors, freelancers, when you can look at them and they know that you have done or are capable and willing to do every part of the business, even mm -hmm. the really unglamorous side of things, there's that level of respect and that willingness to kind of fight it just a bit harder because they know that, you know, we've been there before and, and we're willing to do that. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it goes, you know, you're building culture right now. You have your, it's, it's a family run business at the moment, yep. but you're, you're building culture with the distributors, right? And so exactly, exactly. Um, and then as you guys grow, you'll build the same culture and keep that continuously throughout the organization, um, which is, I think, a key distinction. Um, absolutely for, for any startup. And, and I, I'm really curious just to kind of switch gears slightly, but we're talking about distributors and online direct to consumer sales, and mm -hmm. that's your background with wake up water. I would love your perspective. Can you share how it's been different so far from a, an adult beverage brand? You know, like what have you seen your perspective? Your, Cause I think you have a unique perspective having started wake up water first. Mm -hmm. there's a lot of different things you can do. Um, 
you know, versus what you can't do with yeah. an adult beverage. Yeah, can, absolutely. Can you, <laughs> yeah. For so everybody I, listening, can you share that? Yeah, absolutely. So I think for one, there's a lot more freedom in the energy drink space to be able <laughs> to say things and have certain marketing campaigns taking place. Um, but I think, you know, they're, they're two entirely different business models, right? I think yeah. um, one lays much more heavily on e-commerce. It's a, it's a product in, in business that, you know, has much healthier margins. It's much more data oriented. Um, and again, has a little bit more freedom to say and market way you want to market with alcohol, just that space in general, uh, the RTD, you know, space, even in non-alcoholic, um, canned products typically have a much, you know, smaller margin. Um, they're heavier to ship across the country. They, you know, don't have the markup that an e-commerce product probably will have, but more so than just that, we're now going through a middleman with the distributor because, you know, with the alcohol laws and regulations, there's that three-tier system, right? So you got to, right. for those people that don't know, you have to essentially have a manufacturer of the product. You have to then have a distributor of that product and then ultimately that end retailer. So for us with Selly, if we said, if we woke up tomorrow and said, look, we want to save X amount of percent instead of going through our distributor, we want to go direct to that store and drop off product ourselves. We can't do that. We don't have the licenses and the the, the ability to do that. So that is something that has been a bit challenging. Um, you, you also need to have much better operational execution because of those thinner margins. And so you have to be much smarter with every dollar that you have. Um, there's not as much testing. So for e-commerce, you know, you're really able to kind of test out different types of marketing, influencer marketing, um, Amazon marketing, Instagram ads, whatever it may be. Yeah. And you're able to kind of optimize once you figure out what has worked. With Selly, because of those margins being a lot thinner, you have much less room for error. So you have to really drive sales with every dollar you're spending. So I think it just kind of compresses everything. Um, and I think the model makes it so that there's less room for error. It's a very competitive space and it's also much more in-person. So that's the last thing I'll say is the alcohol space is very in-person and it's very relationship driven. So with Wake Up Water, I can be in my office behind my, my, my computer screen and I can really be running the business with Selly. There's some of that, but most of the business is developing relationships, meeting stores and seeing the product out there so you can do merchandising and whatnot. So it, they're just kind of two separate business models and it's nice to kind of almost have those two different perspectives. Yeah. Well, I, I, it made me think about it because as you're talking, you had said, Hey, we're bootstrapping the business, um, which I, I commend you for, for doing. And, you know, we, we talk about, can you, is it possible for an alcohol brand to grow profitably? And I think the right, right now with this economic climate, a lot of CPG brands are trying to find profitability because yeah, they don't it's, have it's access to that cheap capital anymore. And so, exactly, you know, can you find profitability as an alcohol brand when, you're learning, you lose 30 points to the distributor right off mm -hmm. the top, um, maybe 25, but usually it's 30 points. And then you've got, you know, another 30 that's going to the retailer, maybe 25, mm -hmm. well, you can negotiate, but it, it's call it 30. I mean, compared to, uh, you know, wake up water, it's a totally different game. It's like a totally said, different right? game. Like, and you're and you're right. I think a lot of brands right now are struggling because especially yeah. in the consumer goods space and, and those that are more direct consumer, you know, money was very, very wildly available. Um, yeah. and people had this business model of, hey, look, we're just gonna keep spending on ads and we're gonna grow our top line. 
And I think they did not necessarily pay as close attention to like the fundamentals of the business, whether that be like the unit economics of the products, having a strong enough gross margin, having a strong repeat buy rate. Those are things that I think people kind of neglected and, and thought that it would just kind of fix itself once they get to scale. But, you know, when you get right. to that scale, there's a whole other set of issues and problems that arise. There's a lot of other problems that you need to solve on a day-to-day -day basis. There's additional expenses that you probably didn't account for. Um, and when that money dries up, all of a sudden, the engine of your business model is, is kind of just pulled from under you. And yep. so with Wake Up Water, I really focused heavily on creating a business that's sustainable and profitable. So that business is also bootstrapped to date. Um, it, it's a you know nicely profitable business. And I intend to keep it that way until it makes sense to bring on investment to kind of scale things to the next level. With Selly, you're absolutely right. I mean, there's middlemen, there's the retailers will also take, um, you know, a cut. And then there's also chargebacks. If product for whatever reason is in the right condition, you're giving distributors and retailers discounts if they order a certain amount of quantity. So at, you're, you're really, and that's what people don't realize. I think people look at Selly and they say, wow, you know, look at all this product flying off the shelves and, you know, knock on wood, things have, have been going okay to start, but you know, no brand is actually making as much as you think because when you factor oh, all sure. those things in, it's it's a fraction of what you think they're making. And I think there's a pathway to profitability, but I think it goes back to what we were just kind of talking about, really having that operational execution and knowing how to stretch a dollar, not spending money where you can't afford to spend it, not hiring you know, influencers that you're paying $25,000 for a video that, you know, people will see one time, you know, not hiring yep. a branding agency for $25,000, $50,000 to do your branding when you could probably find a freelancer or maybe a one-off project manager who can do that for you at a fraction of the cost. And then aligning yourselves with the right partners. If you do bring in a marketing agency, making sure that they're doing things for you that are going to actually lift your business forward. And, and there are plenty of them out there. Um, plenty of creative agencies that that do do that. Um, but it's just being smart with those dollars and making sure that they're well spent. Tyler, you're a quick study. <laughs> you know, it's, it's amazing. There's people that have been in this business a long time that didn't think about half of what you just mentioned um, all, over all those years. Yeah, it's funny. I... I I'm I'm just it goes back to just really being curious. Like first, I'm very curious. I don't know everything. I don't have all the answers. And I'm always looking, connecting with people um who have done a better job than me, who are more successful than me, who have been around longer than me, who have seen problems that I haven't seen, have seen, you know, economic times that I haven't seen. Because you got to remember when I started Wake Up Water, you know, we dealt with a little bit during COVID and and having to kind of pivot through that pandemic. But aside from that, like I hadn't seen a economic downturn. Uh, as a business owner. And so, hmm. you know, we're kind of in this weird time now where, you know, there's a correction happening, but people think it might be delayed a bit. It happens a little bit, then it kind of stops. So it's a really kind of like unnerving time and people don't know what's going on. And just talking to other people and um, about that and about just all the different business challenges is like super, super helpful. Um, and again, it's just being curious and I don't have all the answers, but I'm hopefully, you know, finding them. Yeah. No, I mean, I think that's all you can do. And as long as you're always willing to learn and I, I immediately think of like you, you um, if you have a full cup, right, there's no room for more. Um, so it sounds like you've, you've, you've done a great job. When did you, how early is Sally right now? I know you guys launched 2022 when you say launched, mm -hmm. cause there's a different, like everyone defines that differently. Oh, Hey, we launched, but then you spent the whole year 
formulating product. Did you, was it out in stores 2022? Yeah, it was, okay. but you're absolutely right. It, it's, you know, we say we launched in 2022 because, you know, towards the tail end of that, it was, you know, late October, early November, we began getting into some stores and we actually were fine launching into the slow time because it gave us a chance to develop those relationships, get products into the stores um, and try to help them sell product during those slow times. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the first few months, it, 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 we were pushing very hard, but it takes a while sometimes to land these accounts, get things tidied up with distributors, um, launching into like New Hampshire, for example. So we, I feel like we're just now kind of hitting our stride almost a year in where okay. we have good coverage of our geographical areas that we're distributing. And we've had, you know, developed those relationships. We're landing new accounts. We're increasing sales at our current ones, but you're right. You know, we launched late 2022, but we really didn't, fully get rolling, I would say, until the summer. And to be honest, we didn't even launch our variety pack until the summer. Um, and it was, you know, closer to the tail end of it. It was, it was like August when we launched our variety pack. And in the alcohol space, variety packs make up, you know, about 70%, um, you know, depending on who you talk to, of uh, sales at, at the retail level. So, you know, we introed the product with four pack flavors um, to get people familiar. It's a low commitment. You know, you only have to buy four cans. It's a very cheap price point, you know, considering the type of product. And now that people became fans of the product, now introduce a product, uh, you know, an offering that has eight cans, double the, um, you know, offering. And that was just now in like August. So we've only been, you know, a few months uh, having that variety pack in, in the market. Got it. So what what is the, uh, you guys... What are you on the shelf for right right now with the four pack? So it, it kind of depends where you are. We have some retailers sure. that are charging as little as like eight forty nine for a four pack, which is incredible um, to be able to keep wow. that price point very low. But wow. then we have some retailers for a four pack that are going up to like eleven ninety nine. But right. we found that a sweet spot's probably nine ninety nine, and you know if you're in Boston, it might be a little bit more expensive ten ninety nine. But what we try to do is we always try to even as a small brand really work to keep that price point at the same level or cheaper than you know the the top vodka soda i'll, I'll say that that, that who shall not be <laughs> named uh we, we always try to match them if not even undercut them a bit because what people also fail to realize is that although people want to support a new brand a local brand we have a product here that there are alternatives to it so you can't come out and charge an astronomical amount for the product it has to be in line with the market. And so we've worked very, very hard to make that happen. And, you know, I'm proud of it because now we can offer um, a, a seamless transition to our product uh, without any sort of price barrier. Uh, so that's for the four packs and the eight packs, they'll generally be about $19.99. You know, again, there's some stores that are as low as, you know, $17.99, but about $19.99 is, you know, primarily where we'll be. So it's usually like $10.99 and then, you know, $19.99 for the eight packs. Got it. No, that's that's very very competitive pricing, and and I think that's it's an interesting strategy to to try to take down the uh, or try to compete with those who shall not be named. Yeah, <laughs> and, and you know it's funny because what we're trying to do is again we're local, so there's yeah. a, they, we have that going for us. We have a story, we're a family owned business. Not only that, um, now all of a sudden you take that into account, you add in that there's no price difference. If actually there actually might be a, a, a cost savings um, for Sounds you like as yeah. a consumer. And then lastly, we're really competing on the quality of our beverage. And and, and I'll and I don't think 
many people like truly, truly believe in their product sometimes. I think sometimes they think it's good. You know, when you get to a point where like you feel like your product's great and you put it against anybody, that comes through in like marketing and 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 kind of mm. these taste tests that we do. So my father, my brother, myself are in liquor stores every single weekend, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and we're doing taste tests. We're giving off free samples of product and customers are consistently putting away and putting back those bigger brands and opting for Selly. And that is the best feeling in the world. And it's a sign that we're kind of heading in the right direction again, still very early, but these, these signs are kind of encouraging and, um, mm -hmm. you know, kind of just reiterating the fact that, you know, we, we potentially have something here. When you say taste tests, are you, are you actually comparing, like doing blind taste tests, AB test testing? Against. So we've done that before, um, but th what I was referring to is more being in the liquor stores sure, and sure, setting sure. up a little okay. table. And as customers come in, just pouring them a sample and getting them to try, you know, we see that they have another brand in their hands. We say, hey, look, we see that you have that brand. Um, you know, would, would you like to try a, a local alternative? Um, mm -hmm. and, and people are, for the most part, are very willing to do that. You know, we've, of course, had some uh, people just kind of completely <laughs> neglect you, ignore you, and, you know, sometimes even get nasty. But for the most part, people are really open to yeah. it and they're interested in trying new products. And we've had really good success uh, converting people over. No, I, yeah, I was just, when you said it, I was like, wow, if they are doing, I think my <laughs> mind went right to like, if you were doing blind A-B testing, like, hey, hold yeah. on, here's that, you're what you were about to like buy. Mm -hmm. Let's pour that in this. We're going to switch it around. That would be it. I mean, yeah, you could, could doc record that. That's exactly mic, what mic we're it up be doing. And yeah, you should that's put exactly it on what we're going to be doing. Absolutely. Yeah. There, there's the creative mind coming in, Justin. <laughs> we just gave a, uh, uh, hopefully not many people watch this episode. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we, we don't give away all the secrets just yet. No, we can't. Um, we're, we're almost up on time. I want to wrap up with uh, four quick questions, mm -hmm. quick hits, unless Brendan, you have anything else we want to, add real quick no just our 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 age-old question of you know what do you know now that you wish you knew then that you think you know to share with the audience and like i said other other brand builders and, and folks from the industry yeah i think this is kind of more for just business and entrepreneurship in general rather than just like the alcohol space or beverage space but it, it just i'm constantly reminded how much you have to love what you're doing because every single day there are problems that come up where you're ready to yeah. pull your hair out. And if you don't love it, it, either the problems don't get solved or you just end up giving up. And it's so hard. Building business is so hard. And you guys have been around long enough. I'm sure you've seen it. it it's just so difficult to build a business. And if you're not so hard. all in it's just not going to work. So yep. instead of chasing like the flashy object or the thing that can make you the quick next dollar, figure out what you actually love to do and dive into that and build a business around that. And that was what I did with beverage. I just love the beverage space. And so, you know, things that come up that most people would look at and say, oh my God, I, I can't even think about dealing with that right now. I dive right in. I, you know, wet my feet, roll up my sleeves and, and, and tackle the issues because I like doing it. So it doesn't really view as like, it's, I'm not viewing it as like as much hard work rather than just something that I enjoy doing. So mm. kind of more of like an overarching thing, but I think you just really got to figure out something that you really, really love to do because it's just too hard. Totally. It is. Yeah, I tell yeah. people all the time, read the e-myth, you know, get through that, really have some self-reflection. Mm -hmm. And then, because it's, it's a grind, even if oh, you yeah. love it, it's an absolute grind. Absolutely. Yeah. So actually 
great, great uh, parlay into the next, the first question on, on a book you just mentioned, uh, The E-Myth, which is one of our favorites. But Tyler, what is the most impactful book you've read recently that you recommend others read? So to be honest, I'm not the biggest reader of books, believe it or not. I'm very curious okay. and I, I read a lot of articles and I connect people and I, I network. But one book in particular that I, I have read is Mission in a Bottle. And uh, that was by Seth, I don't know about his last name, Gold, Goldman, Goodman, who started Honest Tea. And um, it's an amazing book. And it kind of walks you through the early stages of like forming a beverage company, scaling that beverage company. And he's an amazing entrepreneur in the beverage space who um, came out with this book. And, and it's it's full of just a lot of great tidbits. It's, it's much more specific mm. to beverage. But if you are in like just consumer goods in general, it's a great read. Seth Goldman. Yeah. And yep. very, very nail buff. Yep. I'm that was his that partner. Right. And yep. yep, exactly. Very cool. It's a great, great recommendation. And how do you stay organized day to day? You've got two businesses going on, uh, pen and paper guy. What are you, what are you yeah. using to stay organized? Yeah. It's something I'm working on every day because I'm not traditionally a very well-organized person. If you saw like my office space, there's stuff everywhere, but, uh, two things. One, I have a running notes tab on my phone that if you saw, you would give yourself a heart attack because there's just an endless list. So I'm trying to get away from overwhelming myself with, with the to-do list of every little thing, but I'm a big pen and paper guy. And the one biggest thing that I've learned recently um, that's worked mm -hmm. for me is you may have say 50 things to do on your to-do list, but don't actually write down every single one of them. Maybe have a list of everything you need to do, but for the day, set a realistic list of things yeah. that you can accomplish because you might have a few bigger projects. You might get five things done in a day instead of you know the 25 that you initially list. And if you get done five of 25, you feel like you're a failure and you know you have all this you know over your head. But if you have five things to tackle and you get through all five of those things, then it's encouraging. You get those done, you cross them off. Now they're done with, you move on to the next. So I think setting a realistic a list of things to get done is is really important. Mm, cool. Um and how do you, and similarly, how do you maintain balance? Is there balance? You know, it, it's funny that question I, I have got asked a lot actually. So I'm still, you know, fairly young. I still go out. I still go to dinner. I still go out with my friends. Um, I, I love the fitness space. I work out every single day. I spend a lot of time with my family, friends. So I do find the balance, but I almost view it instead of like work-life balance, I view mm -hmm. it as work-life harmony. So it, it's, it's having a business that I like enjoy so much that when things come up, I can work on it and it doesn't feel like I'm taking away from those other things. So if I'm hanging out, you know, watching a Boston Celtics game with my friends and I get an email that I really want to respond to, I don't mind taking out my phone and responding to it right there. It's not something that I need to have sure. wait. I don't shut off that part of my life. So I, I think that's another thing that's kind of interesting and unique about when you really love something, you almost kind of have it seamlessly fit into your life rather than, you know, having a true cutoff of time that you're working and not working. Yeah. It's not even work. It's just, it's just what you do. It's exactly. Part of your life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I like that a lot. Um, I think I found the same for sure. It's just, mm -hmm. just what you do. Uh, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't matter. Um, and then what's, I guess, I mean, maybe this, you already mentioned it. Well, I was going to say like, what's one thing you do outside of work, um, that allows you to maintain energy, but it's really what I'm hearing is life is life. And the work is just in fully integrated into 100%. your life and, you know, fitness and maybe wake up water helps. 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Wake water gives me that that energy that I need. Um, but yeah, it, it's that seamless fit uh, of just living life and having your businesses kind of fit really well into it. So even yeah. with Selly, when I go out, a lot of times we'll go to bars that carry Selly. And so now sure. I'm promoting the product. I'm consuming my own product. I'm advertising. I'm meeting people, networking. So I'm enjoying my night, night out with friends, but I'm also in a way working. So I think yeah. that's you know a huge thing. That's great. Great. Um, Tyler, that's that's all we have for you. Really appreciate the time today. It was great to talk to you. Uh, yeah, and, Justin, and Brandon, thank you so the... much for having us, having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. This was great. Yeah, it was really good to talk to you today. Uh, wishing you all the best with Selly. Thank you guys so much. I appreciate it. Awesome. See you, Tyler. All right, take care, guys. All right, thanks a lot, Tyler.